<laughs> it was in Winnipeg too that Dave Hansen uh, pulled off Bobby Hall's hairpiece there. <laughs> Bobby wasn't wearing a helmet at the time, and uh, Dave grabbed his hair, and Bobby pulled away. And the hairpiece, and Dave's standing there with the hairpiece in his hand, and he starts <laughs> laughing. And, and then Bobby goes and puts a helmet on, and, and it was Dave got five minutes for hair pulling. <laughs> That was John Garrett, former NHL goaltender and current NHL analyst on Sportsnet. He's our main guest on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I'm your host, Jamie Thomas. We'll also hear from the president of Pride Winnipeg. Later in the show is Barry Karlenzig about the recent Pride Night that was held here at Canada Life Center last Friday. At the time we were taping this podcast, the Winnipeg Jets are bound to Florida. They'll play three games this week, all of them on the road. Wednesday in Tampa Bay, Friday in uh, against, for, or sorry, against the Florida Panthers, and they will wrap up the road trip Sunday against the Nashville Predators, another Central Division battle. And how about that homestand? Three straight wins, a fantastic performance. They go 4-1 and one over the five-game homestand. They got victories over New Jersey, Buffalo, and Arizona to wrap it up. Connor Hellebuck stealing the show Friday against the Buffalo Sabres. A huge save on Jordan Greenway to keep the game 3-2. He was outstanding, had three breakaway saves as well. And then Saturday, the defense locked things down, barely any scoring opportunities over the final 30 minutes of the hockey game as they beat Arizona. Arizona 5-2 to wrap things up. An impressive homestand, to say the least, and associate coach Scott O'Neill agrees. You know, how we finally uh, finished it off, uh, not giving up. I think we gave up three shots uh, last 30 minutes of game, no scoring chances. It's a pretty good sign of just kind of how we've been playing, kind of without the puck, and that's probably been the biggest sort of message for the last five games that, you know, we're making it hard for the opposition to get offense, and it's going to be real important going out on the road now. It was also a heck of a homestand for Kyle Connor. Uh, as of Monday morning, he is all alone on top of the NHL in scoring with 14 goals. He scored the game winner on Saturday night on a beautiful feed from Mark Scheifele. His fifth game-winning goal of the season. He has nine goals in the month of November. You just want the month to keep rolling and rolling. And Mark Scheifele said it best after the game on Saturday. Kyle Connor has simply been amazing. You know, he's, he's, he's been awesome all season. He's a he's. I'm lucky to, to, to be on his line, that's for sure. Obviously, he had an amazing shot, and it's been, it's been really fun to, to play with him, and just got to keep going. Just, you know, I'm trying to be as lethal as, as I can, I guess, in the offensive zone, you know, trying to have that attack mindset like you kind of alluded to. Um, you know, being, being a little bit more uh, versatile as well and just trying to score in as many different, different ways as I can. Um, you know, I think we're, we're playing well offensively as, as a unit as well. You know, our, our Ds are really getting involved once we hem them in the D zone and you know if you look at our um, last couple of goals too off the rush we do a really good job of transitioning in our D's they throw it up really quick and um, you know as a forward and you know a guy with a lot of speed I love that so I try to get them get them changing indecisive on their gap and as a D man and you know that's kind of what you saw on, on my goal there you just threw it up real quick and um, you know they were sagging and Shai found me cross ice in a little bit of space. Kyle Connor doing a great job giving credit to how well the defense is playing right now. The forwards are coming back to help things out. And, of course, defense leading into offense has been a real key for the Winnipeg Jets, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. It feels like forever ago, but last Tuesday, officially a week ago as this pod is released, that we saw Nikolai Ehlers drop the gloves with Brendan Smith of the New Jersey Devils. The seventh fight the Danish forward has had in his National Hockey League career. Uh, Ehlers coming to the defense of his linemate Vladislav Nemestikov, who was put on the boards hard by Brendan Smith. So Josh Morrissey said after the game that Nikolai Ehlers, he had felt, had never fought anyone in his weight class. So that got us to thinking. We did some research. And here is the Nikolai Ehlers fight card. Seven fights. Brendan Smith. So keep in mind, Nikolai Ehlers 
not really in this weight class. Uh, Brendan Smith, 6'2", 200. Braden Shen of the St. Louis Blues, that was last season. It was, uh, Shen is 6'1", 199. Corey Perry, when he was with the Montreal Canadiens, 6'3", 208. Brad Marchand, the closest of the bunch to Nikolai Euler's weight class. He's 5'9", 176. Ryan Getzlaff, the biggest of the bunch from the Anaheim Ducks before he retired, 6'4", 220. Colton Sissons, when he was with Nashville, 6'1", 200. And Nikolai Euler's first uh, professional National Hockey League fight came in February of 2016 when he fought Tyson Berry of then the Colorado Avalanche, who was 5'11", 197. So Josh Morrissey, accurate in his assessment of none of Nikolai Ehlers' fights coming in his weight class. Which brings us to the play of the week. Kyle Connor had some beautiful goals, but we've had him in there before. Vladislav Nemestikov stealing the show, and he'll be our play of the week with his bank job against the Arizona Coyotes. Morrissey skating up to center ice from the red line. He flips it in. Nemestikov was waiting for it. He was out of the net. It's in the net. Another fortuitous bounce this time for Nemestikov. You know, Hunter Ryan, we talked about this a little earlier. Nemelka with the puck touches. He comes out of the net here, but this puck doesn't have the speed to get by the trapezoid, and when that happens, he gets caught in no man's land. Now it's a simple clearing of the front of the net off the skate of Kraus. I think many a Winnipeg Jet fan will recognize John Garrett, especially from the 1.0 days, because John Garrett was a color analyst on Hockey Night in Canada and also on CKY broadcasts back in the day in the 80s and 90s. John Garrett will share some stories about Don Whitman and, of course, the current NHL version of the Winnipeg Jets up next here on Ground Control. Hi, I'm Kyle Connor. What a goal! This is the Ground Control Podcast. Pleased to be joined by a good friend of mine, John Garrett, uh, in Tampa to call the next Jets game. First off, uh, how are you enjoying doing less this year as in years past? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not missing it as much as I thought I would. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did, as you know, all the Canuck games for a long time. And uh, they started the season off. They played one home game, and then they went on a uh, five-game trip. And it was start in Edmonton and then a couple of days off and then go to Philadelphia and a couple of days off and then go to Florida, a couple of days off and then uh, go to Nashville. And it ended up being a 13-day trip, which is unusual yeah. for a five-game. Usually you play it back-to-back someplace. They didn't. And uh, that's a long time away. You get to mm-hmm. the point where uh, you like to be on the road for a little while, but mm-hmm. not for 13 days. And I'm at that age where... Uh, the nightlife in Nashville. I can't do it night after night after night. <laughs> Broadway, here we go. Yeah, it's not New York Broadway, it's Nashville Broadway. <laughs> Completely different. And you, uh, know, you know me, Jamie, that Nashville yes. Broadway is worse than New York Broadway oh, for me. Oh, way worse, way worse. Yeah. Uh, you are in Tampa right now to call the next Winnipeg Jets game. Uh, thoughts on what you've seen from the Jets early on this season, John? Oh, I like them because uh, they're balanced. And you mm-hmm. look around the league and, and there's teams that have, you know, one really good line. or Like even Tampa. I was watching Tampa last night against uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. And the Kucherov line and, and Stan Coase and those guys. And uh, they got contributions from a guy. Austin Watson scored a goal last night. And that's something that uh, the Jets have probably the best third line in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Adam Lowry and Niederreiter and, and those guys. And uh, I think that's the difference between uh, the Jets this year is their balance. And Connor Hellebuck got off to a rough start this year. I don't think anybody would 
deny that, but he's back to playing. And in my opinion, he's top three in the league, if not the best goalie in the league, the most consistent goalie in the league. And he's about the only goalie in the league, in my opinion, that can play 65, 70 games. Yeah. Most of the other guys now, most of the number one guys now, they're looking at, oh, well, 55. Let's keep him at 55 and save him for the playoffs. And I don't think Halibut needs that. I think he thrives on the work. And uh, I think he's the kind of guy that can play the most games and play better than anybody else. Is, is it a good thing for Scott O'Neill? Gabe Velarde skated with the team yesterday. He's getting closer to a turn. Obviously, now the headache becomes, how do you fit a top six forward back into your forward group where all three lines are going as well as they are right now? Uh, you just work it. You can <laughs> spot them. Like, you really yeah. can. Like, you can spot them. And, and you know what? It's like there's always injuries. Yeah. Every, every game, you're, uh, they're taking a chance that somebody can get hurt. And uh, Velarde got hurt, and now he's coming back. And I, I think you spot him. And when the team's playing well, obviously, you don't shift it around then. But all you have to do is lose one game, and then there's your excuse. Okay. <laughs> We're, yeah, you just step aside. Yeah. yeah. Who was the worst? That time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> one loss, hey, and that's all it takes. Um, listen, you know Rick Bonus well. How, how do you think he's handling – Having to watch games from home, I know it's a good reason to be with Judy and everything like that, but how do you think he's handling that right now? Uh, I'm sure he's antsy. He texts yeah. me during games. I've done a couple of <laughs> Winnipeg games where he's texting me during the game. I, I did a Montreal-Boston game a couple of weeks ago. and uh, During the game, he, he had just happened to flick it on, and he goes, well, I can't retire as long as you're still working <laughs> during the game. <laughs> And it's, it's got to be really tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I've known Rick and Judy for a long, long time. Uh, we played, I played against him. I never played with him. Uh, but he coached in Vancouver for so long. I got to know him really well. Uh, Jamie, you know what it's like in the broadcast business and in the professional mm-hmm. hockey player business to be with the same wife for 50 years. It's crazy. It, yeah. it just doesn't happen. There's so many uh things it's such a social position in broadcasting and in hockey and uh, the marriages usually don't last <laughs> all my old teammates oh yeah you go to a function and oh yeah this is my wife and whoa okay and it's a lot and now at my age they goes oh is that your daughter? oh no that's my wife oh i was thinking that might be your daughter oh <laughs> So, so knowing Judy as well as you do, do you think she's ready for Rick to, to get back out on the road? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure Rick is something like that happens. Mm-hmm. You've been away so long. Your wife has done so much for your career and sacrificed so much that, uh, that you want to be protective. And I, I'm sure Rick is, is thinking, well, you know, okay, as, as long as the team's playing well and as, as long as things are going well, I'm sure he's in, in touch with Scott every day. Yeah. Uh, why you just stay as long as you can and, and be as helpful as you can for as long as you can. And I, I think Rick will uh, wait probably until the new year, I, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, you've been around the game a long time. There, there are discussions about overtime again. What would you do to make it better? Or would you even tinker with anything at all? Yeah. <laughs> 
I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing it go to ten minutes. Right. But uh, I, I don't want to go back to ties. Like no, I played in the era when uh, games ended up in ties, and so the teams with the last ten minutes of the game, oh, we're both going to get a point out of this. Let's play for the tie. And I think now uh, some of the teams are, but three on three, it's hard. And you watch the overtime goals from last night and a couple of nights ago and the, the Hagel goal last night, the Boston game that I was watching. And the Jets were here. The players, the Jets came early, naturally, a long Eastern trip. Well, not yeah. a long trip. What a trip. Is this a rookie dinner trip? <laughs> this uh, would it be was... a rookie dinner trip in, in my playing days. This, uh, <laughs> in Tampa, day off. <laughs> Florida day off Nashville. I know. So there's in in between there. There's got to be a rookie dinner something. But anyway, get, getting back to the overtime thing. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, coaches are so good, and they gear and you watch the three on three, and the guys get back almost like they're killing a five on three, and then wait for the chance. But uh, with so much open ice, you, there's a long pass someplace, and a guy's got to break one. Yes. And that's but. The five-minute overtime, and this is, people say, well, oh, you know, it goes to a shootout, and then it's a skills competition. But in the five-minute overtime, it's six guys, usually. They just rotate six guys. So, so it's not really a team victory. It's the top six guys, and the other guys don't. But if you played a 10-minute overtime, then you'd see some of the third, fourth-line guys get some ice time. But how many guys get ice time in a five-minute overtime that aren't in the top six or your top two defense? None. So yeah. you might as well, uh, if they had that, okay, we're going to have a 10-minute overtime. Okay, you play your top six to start. But then you have to plan, okay, what if it goes? What if it goes six, seven minutes? These guys are going to be dead tired. They're tired from the game anyway. They play more ice than anybody else during the regular game. And uh, I think you'd see, okay, we're going to play a 10-minute overtime. And then you'd get some of the uh, third, fourth line guys getting some ice time. Sounds good to me. Uh, yeah. Listen, you call you call Jets games here back in the '80s and early '90s on CKY and CKND. What stands oh, yeah. out during those days? It was a different time, of course. <laughs> it was a different time. It, 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 well, playing at the Polo Park Arena all those years with the Fighting Saints and the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, it, it was uh, almost like an original six kind of atmosphere. Yeah, uh, small, cozy. Great fans, absolutely great fans. And the guys who uh, I got to call the games with were real characters. Like, I mean, uh, you look at uh, Don Whitman was the first play-by-play guy I worked with. I'm working on Wednesday, and you know me, I'm all over the place here. I'm working on Wednesday with yeah. John Bartlett. And guess what? Guess how many play-by-play guys I've worked with. This will be, and I never worked with John Bartlett before until Wednesday coming up. Uh, let's go 35. Keep going. No way. Okay, John so Bartlett will, John Bartlett will be play-by-play guy number forty-one. Oh my gosh! But Don Whitman was the first yeah. play-by-play guy I worked with, and these guys uh, all grew up doing radio. They were play-by-play radio guys, and Don Whitman was one of the best guys that I worked with. Who was a radio guy? Kurt Kilbeck, people like that, uh, who realized that on television because people are watching, you don't have to go puck to puck, pass to pass. It was a lull in the play. It plays at center ice. And then uh, the 
analyst, who is usually a former player, he gets to talk and enhance the game a little bit. And Witt was so good at that and uh, such a nice man and a great character and uh, his calls and track and field and football and all the things that he did. He, he was just an amazing guy. And, uh, you know, people, uh, cancer is such an awful disease. And uh, he got his, he played an awful lot of golf and never wore a hat. Yeah. And that's, a, it started with a melanoma on his ear and then uh, it got him. I asked Joel Pascucci about you, Cheech, and he Joel brought up Scucci. that you, <laughs> the scooch. He, 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 he brought up positivity. <laughs> Joel Pascucci. I remember working with Joel. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, Rod Black, the crew was with uh, Pascucci and Rod Black. It yeah. was just, it was, and those were good times. It was, you have that little room down by the dressing room at the Polo Park. I'm sure yeah. you've been there. And the, yes. That was the studio, that little wee dark dungeon-y sort of thing, and Joe would be in there. And... <laughs> So, so on a positive note, Joe brought up the you you shut out the Jets in both the WHA and the NHL, and your only yes. NHL shutout was against the Winnipeg Jets. Do you remember that night? Yes, I do. Uh, and there's a trivia question for you, Jamie. I know you like okay. trivia questions. I love, I love it. Goaltender who has played the most NHL games with only one shutout. <laughs> You're talking to him right John now, John Garrett. That's that's exactly why we brought you on today for some yeah. trivia. Well, I remember. <laughs> And it stuck in my mind because uh, my good friend Barry Long was the coach of uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And he got fired, and Tom Watt took over. And the night Tom Watt took over, I think that was my shutout night. Mm -hmm. And it was a 3 nothing game. Brian Hayward was down at the other end. And uh, it was uh, – I just – I wanted – people to realize that Barry was a good coach. It was just the team wasn't very good. And so who gets fired? The coach. But of course, uh, we shut out the Jets in Winnipeg and uh, Tiger Williams, who was a teammate of mine, he, he knew my, my shutout record. He went out and he cut a big piece of the net. <laughs> and they, the crew naturally didn't like that. They got to retwine the whole net. And, and just Tiger, like college basketball, they, Cheech. Yeah, this was my momentum was... Uh, a piece of the net from the Winnipeg Arena. <laughs> that, that's that, that's fantastic. Um, so I also did some more digging. Your good friend Dan Murphy, who you worked with for so long, so he pulled some questions out for you. Did you let in a goal as you were watching the replay of another goal you just let in on the big screen? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're in Landover, Maryland. Okay. And you remember Landover, Maryland? Yeah. Yes, I do. Played there, the Capitals. Uh, and it was the first rink in the NHL that had a jumble drum. Bet you didn't know that. Now you know that. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going along, and it's a two-on-two. And all of a sudden, they throw it across. It's a two-on-one. And the guy scores, and I, I couldn't figure out, you know, I'm, I'm watching the play, and I'm being net, and the guy scores. So I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and they run the replay on the jumbotron. I, I'm watching to see how this, and, and Alan Hangslaben, who was the defenseman, he changed on a two-on-two. But anyway, I, I'm watching the replay, and they drop the puck, and Mike Gardner scores from the red line <laughs> while I'm watching the jumbo <laughs> And uh, Don Blackburn was the coach, and he, Cheech, Cheech, come here. <laughs> so, so he hooks me, he sits me down on the end of bench, and he comes down, okay, now you can watch the rest of the game right from there. <laughs> 
Winnipeg Arena, getting back to the Winnipeg Arena. Yeah. Uh, you know what it was like, the visiting team, where you came off and you had to walk through that crowd sort of area to get out of the rink. You remember down below and the walkway there and it's all concrete. And so Steve Durbano, we're playing against the Jets in the WHA. Steve Durbano is a teammate of mine. Birmingham Bulls days. Uh, he gets thrown out with about five minutes left. So he goes, he showers, and we come off and we lose again to the Jets. Jets were good then. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jill's Lege, who was the general manager, comes in, and he starts yelling, Derby's in trouble, Derby's in trouble, because he had showered and changed, and he was walking out. Well, some fan said something to him, so Derby is just hammering on this guy down in, in the hallway there. And there we are coming out charging with our skates, thinking because he had said Derby's in trouble, and, and Derby was just – and we're all standing there waiting for a, a melee. <laughs> uh, Derby, you better know, back off. <laughs> so he wasn't actually in trouble, to be honest. Uh, no, he wasn't in trouble. The poor fan was in trouble. <laughs> Uh, did a, you, uh, it was in Winnipeg too that Dave Hansen uh, pulled off Bobby Hall's hairpiece there. <laughs> <laughs> they got five minutes for hair pulling, and he's standing there. And there, uh, Bobby wasn't wearing a helmet at the time, and uh, Dave grabbed his hair, and Bobby pulled away. And the hairpiece, uh, Dave's standing there with the hairpiece in his hand, and he starts <laughs> laughing. And then Bobby puts a helmet on, and it was Dave got five minutes for hair pulling. Oh. Um, did you conduct a post game interview with a hot dog squished in your pads? Oh, it wasn't a post game interview. It was <laughs> I'm playing in Quebec, and in yeah. the old Colisée, say uh, the goal goalie who wasn't playing sat behind the bench in kind of the tunnel that went to the dresser. So. I'm, I'm sitting there. It's the end of the second period. And I said to the trainer, okay, things, and it was a two, one game. It wasn't like it was a ridiculous game. Uh, he comes out and he goes, you want a hot dog? And I'm, I'm behind the bench. Nobody said, and the game's not on television. So you no chance of, you know, getting caught by camera or anything. Oh yeah. So I got a hot dog going for the third period and I had it in my pads and I take a bite and then put it back in my pad. Well, Dan Bouchard decides that a goal goes in. He decides he's had enough. He's the other goalie. <laughs> so he just comes skating off and I'm sitting there and I'm, Oh man, I got to go in. And everybody's looking at me because I wasn't expecting to go in. And the hot dog is down. <laughs> so I got to go out and I finish the game. And then I, I'm sitting there and I'm in the dressing room and you know, everybody's pissed off because we lost. And I'm trying to act calm and without laughing. I'm trying to be, Cool, and I have to wait till everybody goes because the hot dogs are all squished. And there's mustard <laughs> it's, it's on my socks and everything. And the, the trainer, Red Eagle Cass, was the trainer. He thought it was great. And, oh, oh. Um, oh, you know, you know, in baseball now, when they talk to uh, managers in the dugouts, is there can that be done in hockey in a different way? Can a backup goaltender contribute? Can can a coach talk for an extended period amount of time? Or is there just too much going on in hockey that you can't do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, a stoppages in play, uh, commercial breaks and that, you could go yeah. and talk to the coach just for a second. And that, that's what they do now. Mm -hmm. uh, rinks where, uh, like Montreal, where the backup goalie sits on the other side. San Jose, where the guy sits in the corner. Remember? Winnipeg does that too, yeah, for the visitor. Yeah, and there's yeah. some other, is Winnipeg? 
Yeah, Winnipeg's got a goal. The visiting goaltender has to sit right by the crowd in front of the glass, actually, with the, yeah, with the team. Yeah, yeah. So you could do that. I don't know whether the backup goalie would want to do that or not, but <laughs> you could do that. That would that would be all right. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any trouble with that. But uh, you're right on the bench. There's so much now. And everybody's got a tablet. I'm just waiting for some guy. And I'm almost hoping that some guy takes one right in the chicklets uh, while they're, oh, I'm looking at the tablet. How did I shoot that one wide? Well, you shot it wide. <laughs> There's no analysis yeah. for that. There's no yeah, analytics for shooting the puck wide. That one by? Yeah. <laughs> Watch the play. You might be up next. Come on. All right. Lord. Best for last. Best for last, my friend. I'll let you get to the Tampa Sun. Uh, did you once go three weeks working as a broadcaster in the playoffs with, <laughs> without once issuing cutlery at your meals? No utensils. Yes, I was working with uh, Chris Cuthbert and Scott Russell was, yeah. was the team. And uh, Dick Irvin was part of it, too. Speaking of, there's another one of my 41. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we're doing the playoffs. And uh, I'm from Vancouver, and I'm doing the playoffs. And I figure, okay, I'm going to go around without utensils just as a joke you know and it's easy for me you jamie you yeah. traveled with me before finger foods was you me and roger millions yeah finger foods Ro- manitoba's own roger millions <laughs> roger the dodger so uh <laughs> his eating habits I, but anyway <laughs> mine are such that okay for breakfast you have toast toast coffee and, and juice so no utensils required there make sure that they butter the toast before they bring uh lunch you know, burgers or whatever, and then mm-hmm. dinner, chicken wings or something like that. And so, and it ended up that the first series I did went seven games. So I couldn't go home. So now we go roll over from a seven game series into another series. So I say, okay, let's keep this going. <laughs> sure enough, the next series goes seven games. So I don't get to go home again. So they, I say, okay, well, we might as well keep it going. I went three series with, no utensils. And the guys, it got to be just such a joke. It was, oh, it was crazy. Well, let me just see. Your... We'll get back before okay. you get rid of me. Yeah, yeah. We'll get back to all these Winnipeg guys. That, and I'm looking at my list of 41. There's Don Whitman, Winnipeg, yeah. obviously. Kurt Keelback, Winnipeg, obviously. Uh, Roger Millions. Peter Young. Peter right. Young, Winnipeg, obviously. Darren Drager. Was in Winnipeg. No, or was he Edmonton? That's Drager was nope. Edmonton. Drager's Edmonton was Winnipeg too. Rod Black. Rod Black. I did. Rod did play-by-play hockey for at least one game. So yep. he did that with Rod. And I guess that's about it for my Winnipeg connection. Peter Labardius wasn't. No, he's not Winnipeg. No, no. He's, he's around the area. Yeah, he's around the area. But other than that, don't. That's it. Well, 40, 41, have fun with 41 tomorrow with John Bartlett. Yes, uh, enjoy the broadcast. Uh, always good to te- catch up with you, and uh, thanks for doing this, Cheech. Back on Friday when the Buffalo Sabres paid a visit to Canada Life Center, it was our annual Pride Night. Barry Carlinzig from Pride, Winnipeg, will join us next here on Ground Control. Please welcome the President and Chair of Pride Winnipeg Festival, Barry, Barry Carlinzig. Uh, Barry, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Jamie? 
Fantastic. Uh, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, before we get to the meat and potatoes of the interview, let's find out a little bit about you. And just uh, I, you had, in an email that you had given me, you said you grew up in a house full of Leaf fans. I have no idea how you did that, but how was that, uh, that struggle growing up with that? Uh, it was definitely challenging. However, I still have fun every year. My brother-in-law is still a huge Leafs fan. So every once in a while when I go to Toronto and see all the Leafs stuff on like 75% clearance, I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a photo and send it to him and be like, isn't this your team again or something that you're the favorite of? <laughs> That's great for Christmas gifts too at 75% off, is it not? Oh, exactly. And then every time there's one of the Leaf memes that is that has something, I'm the first uh. person to send it to him and he's just like... It's been years. I said, yeah, and you're still like the Leafs. Even my nephew, my nephew loves the Jets versus the Leafs. So I'm just like, Aha, I'm slowly training people. You're over here. <laughs> so it must have been like a little bit annoying when they got past the first round, but then enjoyable again when Florida took them out in the second round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what about yourself? Jets fan growing up and, and, uh, and surviving in the house full of Leaf fans. Jets fan growing up, I still remember um, as a kid when the old arena was still around. Mm-hmm. Opa, Opa at the time would take us, and it was back in the day, if the Jets scored X amount of points, you got free pancakes from, I think it was a pancake house or something in there, and it's like... Amazing. I still remember being able to, um, having grown up like my Opa, and then he's 92 now, I think one of the most memorable things was a couple of years ago, being able to take him to a Jets game, section 102, right at the ice. Mm-hmm. At 92, his eyesight's going, his hearing's kind of going, and he never thought in his day he'd ever be at the new arena and that close to the ice. What a, what a memory that must have been for you, hey? Mm-hmm. It's nice because it's that full 360. It's like, you know what, as a young child, he took, a, he took me out or my dad would, and then it'd be able to flip, flip it the other way. That's fantastic. Um, how did you end up in your current position, Barry? Uh, I started with Pride Winnipeg 13 years ago as a volunteer driver. Uh, J.D. Francis from Energy 106 at the time mm-hmm. uh, basically was like, hey, you work for National Car Rental. I need some stuff and I need a volunteer. And 13 years later, became the chair of the organization. I've sat in nine different roles with our organization since I've been with it. Um, speak to the relationship between True North and, and Pride Winnipeg. How, how well has that been going over the years? I know this is year five, I believe, of the Pride Night. It is year five, um, and it has been growing. It really, Winnipeg has set the bar across mm. not just Canada, but Canada, the U.S., when it comes to the relationships we have where, you know, at True North Sports Entertainment really set the bar saying, this is what we want to do. We want to show that sports is equal for everyone and start with hockey, and it has expanded into the different sports in Manitoba and around North America. But really, the Jets have set the bar where you saw things over the year where, there was things on the banning of of the pride tape mm-hmm. or banning the jerseys. And you've even seen some of the Winnipeg Jets players saying, you know what, I don't care about that. I don't care if I get fined. Equal rights are equal rights. Mm-hmm. And that's something that truly shows why True North Sports and Entertainment is the best and the Jets are the best. Oh, is it sometimes where you can say to other people, look at what the Jets are doing and how, how often have you found yourself saying, this is what the Jets do. What about you guys? So we actually just came back two weeks ago from an international conference in San Diego that had international prides from around the world there as our yearly conference and annual general meeting. And a few of them were saying, well, this is what our sports team does. This is what our sports team does. And then we could come forward and say, hey, this is what the Jets does. And we really set the bar where a lot of people there were, well, how did this happen? How did you do it? And then Jen, our VP of advocacy, really got a chance to say, like, in five years, this is how we built the relationship. We have a very solid relationship with Rainbow Resource Center. 
and Rainbow Resource Center brought us in with originally You Can Play and really mm. helped solidify that relationship where I look at last year, just before Pride, we had some last minute, the accessible viewing area we were supposed to have fell through. We reached out to True North Sports Entertainment and said, Canada Life Center, can we borrow the second floor so that people with accessibility needs can watch the parade? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll have it done for you in 24 hours. Here you go. And it's that type of relationship we've built. How often are you in contact with people with True North, Barry? Uh, me, twice a year. Jen, very common. It's yeah. as the chair of the board, I try to, that's why we have our different vice presidents and our different department heads where I'm there kind of the twice a year with the sponsorship side and just saying, okay, let's talk sponsorship. But when it comes to the advocacy front, Jen really runs that advocacy piece and has done an amazing part, which is why uh, she was one of the individuals that was dropping the puck this past Friday. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of information booths on the concourse level during Pride Night. How important are those information booths, in your opinion? They're very important because it shows the community. So when I started with Pride 13 years ago, it was a very mm -hmm. small identified community, 35, 40,000 individuals. Recent stats have come out that there's over 100,000 plus individuals that identify as part of the queer community in the province. So when you have that a large amount of a community, you want to make sure to show the next generation that there's education piece. It's not just about a pride. It's not just about a parade or a festival. Pride is 365 days a year. So it really mm -hmm. truly shows those resources and showing that it's not just pride that's there for the community. There were seven mm -hmm. other community members there too. Right. A absolutely. And, and expanding all the time. So in your opinion, how did Pride Night go this past Friday against when the Buffalo Sabres were in town? I think it went absolutely amazing. Uh, one of the highlights we heard, and it was a huge shout out to the Jets, was the hoodies this year. Mm -hmm. So the hoodies this year, instead of the silk screen, it actually had the patch mm -hmm. in the pride colors. And there's actually been multiple emails coming to our organization saying, can I get just the patch? Can I buy just the patch? So we've been working with uh, True North Sports and Entertainment and say, hey, we've had a large request of just the patch where people want to just frame it to show that, show their support and their background saying, my hockey team that I've been a fan of my whole life supports my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, nephews, family, friends. It's truly an inclusive sports team. And do you feel that the sport of hockey is becoming more inclusive, Barry? I think it definitely is becoming more inclusive. Like I said, I think when I came back out in 2008 till now, it really has become a lot more inclusive. There is still ways to go, and we know that every day mm -hmm. we have to be better and better and better for the next generation. But from where it was to what it is today, definitely it's there. And where do you see Pride Night growing or in, in what ways uh, going forward, like next year and the year after that? I'd love to see Pride Night growing where it grows even more where it's not just one game, but maybe mm -hmm. in the off season, you know what, having some conversations with the individual players and really building that where we do have a huge turnout every year for Pride from the Winnipeg Jets, mm -hmm. but also just year-round programming. How can we help the Jets be more inclusive? How can we take what they're doing in Winnipeg and help them promote it across the entire NHL and just say, look, Winnipeg has set the bar. How do we build it better? Yeah, excellent question, Barry. I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's a long time coming in this interview, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. That'll do it for this week's edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Thanks to our guests, John and Barry. Enjoy the Jets' road trip. You can listen to the games uh, with Mitchell Clinton and, and Paul Edmonds on 680 CJOB and Power 97. Moose star Brad Lambert will be our guest next week on the next edition of Ground Control. We'll see you then.